sorry to break it to you. There's a point of diminishing returns where you've been in college like five years. You're like, I'm good. I do like the idea of making a lot of money. That's a bank. That's a Taco Bell bank. I'd put my money in that. Probably give me more than Bitcoin. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. We are live in Studio B, your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. We're super excited to have the new associate head coach of BYU women's basketball, Lee Kamard, back in Studio Lee. Congratulations on uh, the promotion and the position. Good to have you back in studio. It's always good to be with you guys. I'm just excited that I get to do this another time with you. I know. I was going to say that there was a moment where maybe this wasn't (laughs) going to happen, but uh, here we are. So what's the last uh, month or so been like for you? It's been a roller coaster. Um, Long process. I mean, everybody loves Judd, and we're shocked, you know, when he kind of told us that morning. And then from there, just trying to get involved and get in the mix with potentially uh, being the replacement for him. Didn't play out that way, but super excited about where the program's headed. Um, Amber Whiting uh, called me the day she got it, and probably within a few minutes after it being announced, and super excited. We, we have a great relationship. I recruited her son on the men's side, spent a lot of time recruiting her daughter on the women's side, and then throughout this process, we kind of knew, hey, whoever – gets it, you know, let's go do this together. So it's been good, um, and now I'll just get back to work. So you're saying if you had gotten the head coaching job, you would have brought her on as an assistant? Is that a- absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was – I mean, we had a lot of, a lot of conversations. Um, she probably stole some of my material to use, <laughs> use in the interview, but that's all right, you know. Um, she's good, and, and like I said, like I, I definitely would have tried to bring her on staff if she would have been open to it and – She's fiery and she's feisty and she I've watched her, you know, as you go out and you recruit and you see her in the club circuit, just you watch coaches and how their their team responds to them. And and her girls play for her, you know, and and uh, that that fire was there. And so it was something that was noticeable. We we sense that fire, too, in our conversation with her. Certainly. Like like real competitive nature. She's ready to prove the world wrong. We we got that impression very <laughs> early, right? Absolutely, a little petite, and but we're gonna rip your head off. You know, <laughs> type of thing. Dangerous. So it, yeah, it's good. Yeah. Lee Kamard is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Okay, we have to go to this scenario because Shaylee Gonzalez has been such a huge part of the BYU sure. women's basketball program over the last four years. Had a redshirt year, got an extra year of eligibility because of the COVID exception. She was dynamite. Obviously, she announced that she's entering the transfer portal. Um, I think every BYU fan's hoping that maybe she's second guessing there. So, what can you update us on in the situation with Shayla Gonzalez leaving BYU? I will tell you this: she's not all the way out yet. I had a great conversation with her yesterday. She is exploring, and every single school is. I'm sure now, as they should, right? Uh, my my thing I want to share is Shaylee, Our arms are right here. Anytime you want to come back, we'll have you. Come be great at BYU. Come back. Fly past Jimmer, fly past Lexi, and fly past Danny, fly past Tina Gunn. Come get the scoring title. Let's hang your jersey in the rafters. Is 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 what I think and what I see playing out. We got a good roster. She makes it even better. Still have our work cut out whether she's here or not because we're trying to replace you know 50% of the production uh, from last year and some really experienced seniors. But, yeah. but Shaylee, we're here. We love you. We want the best for you. Go explore, get what you need, the information, and we'll go from there. 
That's a beautiful soundbite. I paused just so we could <laughs> edit it cleanly right there. Um, when it comes to Shayla, obviously you want her back. What was was there surprise with this decision, or did you anticipate that this was a possibility given the connection with Judd, the connection with you? Um, you know, apparently her mom was in the mix for the job too, so I could see where that plays a role. Was this a surprise to you, this situation? Uh, not entirely. Probably um, a little bit, but not entirely. Uh, she wants to play at the highest level. And she shared that, you know, she wants to get to a Final Four, you know, and play for a national championship. And also her dream is to play in the WNBA. And I, I fully support that dream and want to help her achieve that. And so go talk to these teams, see what they have to offer. Uh, it's just a new landscape of college basketball okay. where roster maintenance is a real thing and um, trying to always have the best competitive roster to go and compete year in, year out. Because people want to play on the big stage. And that's just what it is. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Does she have two years of eligibility correct. left? Two years left. So she could see the Big 12 with you. Absolutely. Yep. And 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 that that's what puts her within reach of all those scoring marks, yes. right? Like, if she averaged what she averaged this year, she'd blow out all the scoring records right here. Men, men, men and, and women. women. Yeah. yeah. Tina's the highest scorer mm-hmm. in BYU history, but she would she would run past that probably game about 60. Did she run past you already? Or oh, that was a long time ago. <laughs> that was a long time ago. Come on. The transfer portal is so interesting. We were talking about this yesterday on the show. Like, it giveth and it taketh away. Sure. Because uh, we, we can't sit here and be like, you know what's awesome? Puka Nakua and Samson Nakua. But you never get, like, no one ever leaves. Sure. Like, it's just different, though, when it's Shaley. Absolutely. Like, like she is such um, – I, I, I was going to save this till later when we were talking about her more, but she's the face of women's athletics at BYU. Sure. She's one of the main faces, period. Yeah. Um, her following and, on social. Like, she's such a big she's got deal. a chance. she's got a chance to be the most decorated athlete at BYU, depending on how the next two seasons played out, yeah. arguably, yeah. right? She's already, if not the GOAT, one of the GOATs in BYU basketball, women's basketball history. You put her on the Rushmore? For Women's sure, hoops, yeah. for sure, yeah, yeah. already as it is. But she has a chance to solidify herself, no question about it, as to go. And on the athletic department, Mount Rushmore, you know. And so that's, that's exciting. I, I, I want that for her. I understand she's got to do what she's got to do. Um, but, but that's all within reach in my, my perspective. Yeah. Lee Kamard is on BYU Sports Nation. One more year in the West Coast Conference, then the jump to the Big 12. What is the most important thing this final year in the West Coast Conference that BYU women's basketball needs to accomplish in order to feel comfortable about making that Power 5 jump? Besides getting Shayla back. Yeah, start, <laughs> start to Shay. No, I mean, with Shay or without, like, we're, we're replacing, I think, like 500 games of experience between Tegan Paisley, Sarah, and Maria, right? That's like, unbelievable. Wow. And the scoring production of all of them yeah. and the efficiency and just the buy-in to the team. Like that's, But you had this group of freshmen – and a, a couple other younger classmen that are just waiting for their turn. Nani Falatea you know? and McCalvert, among for others. For sure. Smiler's ready to make a jump. Lauren Gustin's ready for a little bit more, you know, that type of thing. And so as we head in, yeah, everybody that's on the roster this year potentially will be with us as we enter the Big 12. So solidifying a, a great team, cohesiveness in that chemistry, and taking that, some of the experience that's gained this year as we enter the Big 12, yeah, we want to compete for the title. Every year, that's expected. Yeah, we want to win the conference tournament. That's expected. Yeah, we want to go to the NCAA tournament. That's just BYU women's basketball. Do you have to recruit the rest of the roster like you're recruiting Shaley with the new head coach? Absolutely. And to go back a little, 
that's probably the biggest, uh, the hardest thing about the timing of Judd retiring and the new hire is that the portal was so alive mm. and then potentially losing Shaley or not, whatever, there's not really a lot out there. Right, given at this the point. timing, yes, right, was maybe because there was four or five weeks in between Judd retiring and the, and the new hire, you're not going to get anybody out of the portal not knowing who your head coach is, right? Understandably, like, hashtag so, BYU red tape. It, so, so yeah. that's a little dicey. That's what's the hardest part. If Shaley potentially leaves, about replacing her is like ah, the the wave of the portal. We're going to have to get creative and figure out what we can do if that potentially happens. But men's team is in the same situation. For sure. And they're, they're right trying to, now. you know, bring or take care of the production that they've lost, right? Sure. But so. at least their head coach is in place, to sure. your point. Like, how it's do you recruit enough. somebody out of yeah. the transfer portal yeah. Yeah. when you don't have a head coach for yeah. a month? Right. Because May 1st, the deadline. If you're not in there before then, you can't play right away. So anybody that enters now, unless there's a waiver potentially, they're not gonna. They're gonna have to sit a year and then play. So it gets dicey. But we, we like who we have. You know, obviously, we love Shaley. Okay, we want her back. But we like who we have too. And the reps can't be, you know, simulated in practice. They're gonna get those on the fly. I can't speak for everyone on this, but when when COVID happened, I think we thought like, oh, this is gonna this is going to affect these players like two or three years. No, it's like a five year deal. Sure. Or maybe six or seven because. There, there would have been more reps for certain people if certain people weren't there for a fifth year. Yeah. Now, the benefit last year was it was the most fun, amazing regular season <laughs> we've ever seen in BYU women's basketball history. It was, it was worth it. It was awesome. But the reps that we're going to see now, are, it's going to be exciting with some of these young players Absolutely. That, about that, that are kind of second and third string last and, year. And truthfully, they, they have a right to be a little frustrated because in the recruitment was, hey, Paisley's going to be gone, Tegan's going to be gone, Maria, Sarah, come we don't play. don't anticipate a pandemic. Right, like come and play in this – big opportunity and then they get here and it's like well four seniors coming back and you know all the five starters are back and so it's just yeah they're excited for their chance Mm -hmm. former BYU women's basketball player Morgan Bailey was just announced as part of this staff Um, what can you tell us about Morgan and what she will bring to BYU women's basketball as she now joins on with you and with Amber Whiting yeah I think for her the credibility is there she was Mountain West I believe Mountain West, maybe West Coast Conference. I know she's got a big plaque in the annex. So she was player of the year. So the credibility is there. We had our first practice yesterday. She got to work with the girls immediately, connection, just because of her credibility on the court. She's tough. She's fiery as well. Um, She wants to be great and is excited for it. I'm excited to work with her, and uh, it's going to be good. Yeah, 2015 West Coast Conference player. Okay, WCC. You know what? In a couple of years, we're not going to. (laughs) <laughs> uh, it's all good. Um, Lisey's lawn care. Oh wow! Is that, is that happening? Like you, as, uh, a, as a, when we were all in school together, you had you had said that this was an ambition of yours to own a lawn care business. How how's that coming along? I'm just glad I'm here with you guys <laughs> and, and, not, and not performing lawn Outside services trimming, right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Getting the so. crews out there. Make your millions and just buy a lawn care company <laughs> that you go. just oversee. You're there not you telling go. me you got the seed money from Belgium there for Lisey's lawn care, Lee. <laughs> One day, potentially, my son's named after me, so maybe he'll start it. Yeah. So it can still it'll carry. be little Lizzie's lawn service. There you go. <laughs> Another L. Perfect. Yeah. Lee, great to have you in studio. We thanks. appreciate you being here. What a wild month. Uh, but and I know that you're super busy right now, so thanks for taking some time with us. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Glad you're still here, man. Yeah, it's good. good to see you. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation 
on BYU Radio. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's what's trending on BYU Sports Nation. Big 12 title pursuit. Jeremy, on the show yesterday, Tulsa World columnist Garen Emig joined us, and we asked him what he sees from BYU football competing in the Big 12 when it comes to being in contention for a championship early in the conference. Listen to this. If you're entering a league that just had a football championship game featuring Oklahoma State and Baylor, and this is with OU and Texas still in the league, then there is no reason that BYU should should come and thinking this might take a little getting used to. No, I, I think they compete right away. Uh, top four at the least. I, I, I think the, the door is open for them to come in and, and have an impact almost immediately in terms of football. Wow, Jerem, year one, top four at least? He doesn't know who's leaving. <laughs> The quarterback, Jaron Hall, now if he's in play, then maybe we're, you know, seriously considering that idea, right? Yeah, he's going to be in play. <laughs> we wish. We wish. You well, would. look, yeah. let's, let's take the wide-angle lens here and look outside just the, the idea that Jaron Hall is leaving. Will BYU win a Big 12 championship, not in the first year, but in the first 10 years of membership within the Big 12? The hope is, yeah. Uh, I think BYU, it's, it's going to take a sec to get to that championship level. Like, winning a Power 5 conference championship would be unbelievable, right? I would argue it would be the second greatest thing uh, the team would have accomplished ever, obviously, to the 1984 national championship. But uh, it's hard to do. Like, okay, as good as Utah has been, as good as Utah has been, it took them 11 years to win the Pac-12. And it also took USC and Oregon sucking. I've talked about this. The reason Utah wins is because those teams are down. You step, through, you step through that door. To Utah's credit, they did it, right? The hope is that for BYU, obviously Oklahoma leaves. The door is open for a lot of teams, right? Oklahoma struggled last year. Arguably every team. Oklahoma struggled last year. And who walks through? Baylor, who the year before was terrible. And then Oklahoma State, who's consistently very good, right? But they took that step towards almost being great and winning the league. Baylor wins and prevents Oklahoma uh, State from scoring like one inch away. It was a crazy game. Um, And then our stat of the day kind of tells you how hard it's been for the newcomers. Hit it. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Okay, last 10 years, P5 Conference expansion teams. Only three have won a conference title. Only three. It's it's hard. Utah last year. TCU was a co-champ in 2014. And then Pitt won in 2021 last year. So it's really hard. Now, BYU, certainly, we've talked about it. They have, they have been prepared way differently than those teams were. Sure. And I would argue that Pitt isn't even maybe a conference newcomer because they were in a conference that was considered a power uh, league. But the yeah, Big East they, was they a went power from league. power five to power five. Yes. They went from power six to power five. Yeah. They eliminated the Big East, spread them out. They were in a power league. So I would argue it's only two. And only one of those was clear cut. wasn't co because in 2014, they didn't have a, a Big 12 title game. So you could argue there's only one team that has done it, and it was Utah. But I would argue that I don't necessarily even care if BYU wins a Big 12 title. Because to me, I want BYU to get to the New Year's Six more than I want a, a conference title. You, because I've looked at the last five years since the Big 12 started having a Big 12 title game. The team that lost the game, four out of the five, still went to yep. a New Year's Six game. Okay, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Baylor, Texas. They were all in the top 15. Three of those four were in the top 10. So if BYU, and, and, and by the way, the winner had zero to one losses four of the five years, and it was Oklahoma until last year. So I would argue if BYU in league can have only two losses, it's got a shot at the Big 12 title game, and at that point, hopefully they didn't lose in non-conference, 
and they've got a shot at the New Year's Six. I would like a New Year's Six game for BYU. Okay, so more I... than I want a Big Twelve title. Wait, what? I want a New Year's Six game. Yes. What? More than more than a championship. I hand you the two opportunities. Okay. Well, opportunities. I would be okay if BYU went to a Big 12 title game like with two losses, lost, and still went to the Sugar Bowl. Well, yeah, sure. I'd be very happy. Actually, that... but let me, let me clarify something. You just said you would choose a New Year's Six game over a Big 12 championship. That, that... You can have both. If you win the Big 12 title game, you're going to be in a New Year's Six. I, I value playing in a New Year's Six game right now, right now, more than a Big 12 title. Yeah, because we have... We haven't. We aren't even in the Big Twelve. I want a New Year's Six game. To me, that's like the peak of what BYU. Okay, can Okay, no, I'm, I'm with you. I, I want to see BYU playing a New Year's Six game. But if you can have both, why would you opt for not both the Big Twelve championship and a New Year's Six game, or just a New Year's Six game? Because uh, the chance of winning the Big Twelve title is really okay, hard. Okay, now, now like, we're getting somewhere. Yeah, like like if everyone stinks and BYU walks through that door, that's great, right? Um, but they're not all going to stink. And it took again, it took Utah 11 years to get this. They didn't do this. What we're talking about. They didn't do this. They didn't win one in the first 10. It's really hard. I would be satisfied and more than if BYU went to a Big 12 title game, lost, and still played in the Sugar or Fiesta. That would still be amazing. That would be amazing. Certainly. Because we're talking about another level here. Like, BYU's never had it this difficult. So if BYU gets to a New Year's Six game in the first 10 years, your boy is happy. Okay, so you're giving BYU 10 years to get to a New Year's Six game once they enter. To lose a Big 12 title game. Trust me, I would love a Big 12 title. That would be freaking awesome. Who wouldn't want that? Of course. Is there an opportunity for BYU, even if they didn't play in the Big 12 championship game, to get to a New Year's Six game? Because Oklahoma was Probably not. in that scenario. They've not had a third. Have they had a third team? I, I will have to look at that. I don't think they've had a third team, like a second at large. Okay. I don't think they've had that. Typically, the league's not good enough. I don't believe the league will be good enough to support three in that situation. And even if the playoff expands that's what I'm talking about like are you in one of the top six games if you will that's what we're talking about are you one of the top 12 teams if you will the new year six so I mean from what I'm gathering here you are looking for steps in the progression chart correct yes. in like three and a half years we'll be like no the big okay. 12 title is the goal. so once yeah. BYU let's let's assume and this is a huge assumption here that BYU gets to a new year six game sometime in the next decade when they achieve that then what's the next level of progression? Is it winning naturally, the Big 12 be, championship? Naturally, yeah. Okay. I, I, I would be if you can have both, like if, if you hit both though, then what? Like let's say BYU to get do it again. They, okay. I don't I, I, I don't want to just like hey we want a title we're good. You think Utah sitting up there going okay we don't have to do anything for the next now they want to win the Rose Bowl now they want to go to the playoff right those are the ambitions. Well let's be real they, they are, are going to do are it. are those schools and programs that live on that for a little while like right. hey we got there we're good for the next five years. Most Power Fives aren't in that boat. Like if you're Iowa State and you've stunk forever and then you get you lose the Big Twad. 12 title game in 2020, and then you go to a New Year's Six and you keep Matt Campbell? Well, yeah, you want to do that. BYU is, is crazy ambitious. A lot of that has to do with our theology and what we believe is possible for anyone, right? We believe anything is possible. We won in 84. We can do it again. Listen, let's just get to a Big 12 title game, and then let's go from there. I, obviously, I would like to win that particular game. Yes. But it, we're, we just lost UAB in a bowl game, okay? How ambitious can we? <laughs> we got work to do. We got to replace all these players after this year because we're going to have a great year. They're going to bounce. That's what's going to happen. And uh, <laughs> the first year is going to be, you know, hopefully we uh, go 500 in league and we uh, build from there. Let's go. 
Well, and then again, if Jaron Hall is the quarterback and decides that, hey, I want to come back for one more year, we don't know. We don't know. We more. don't know what's going to happen. We know more than well. We have a good inkling. Yeah. Sure. I'm not. I'm not guessing on that idea. I'm giving you information from what we're di- we're hearing, right? Sure. And if BYU has a great year, he's totally gone. He's not coming back. Yeah. No. Ar- no argument eight, there. He's been. This is his fifth season. Like, don't let COVID allow these guys to leave early because they get this extra year. You're like, wait, you're a junior. It's like, no, they have been here four years. Like, Shaylee's been at BYU for four years. I know, I know. The COVID scenario, her red shirt. Like, yeah, yeah, she's been here a long time. Allow these people to do what you do in your life, which is move on. So, again, I'm with you on the whole steps of progression. Like, yes, it would be awesome for BYU to hit the New Year's Six game for the first time ever. Obviously. Now, let's say that BYU does something uh out of the norm this year, and they make another magical run, and they get to a New Year's Six game. Okay, how would that alter? See, how would that alter your expectations for well, BYU moving into the Big Twelve if they hit that banner? They're like, hey, good. we got to it. Then what? Great job, you did it against five Power Fives. Now you got to do it against nine every year. It's it's a different level of play. Like the attrition, the injury, okay, the depth required. We put is so much different. stock into. Yeah. Okay, not all Power Fives are created equally, right? Right. Kansas, I know. Kansas I know sucks. it's nine, but. How close to a Power Five schedule has was BYU last year? When right. you consider that was the an other anomaly, good, bro. The other group of five teams that they play. BYU had never had a season like that. We can't take last year as the norm. Why can't you? If the quarterback because is it, back and everybody's back. No, no, no. As something BYU can sustain. I'm not talking about this year. I'm talking about BYU went six and one versus the Power Fives. That was awesome. But that's not going to be the norm. BYU's not just walking into the Big 12 going 7-2 and two every year. Okay, There's going to be years where it's 4-5, and 5-4, yeah, no, and 4 Nobody's and saying three, that. I'm just talking six. about this year. This year and getting to the New Year's 6. Why couldn't? Why is it an anomaly if everybody's back and your quarterback's back and oh, you can do it two years in a row? No, this year BYU could have a very successful year again. I thought you were connecting it to the future. I think there's no connection to the future with that part. The, the hope is that BYU has turned a corner that they are recruiting better, that they are getting deeper, and that they can sustain. We think they are. Yes, that, but you have to do it more than one year. You can't just in 2001 go 12-2 and two and then tank at 4-8, and 5-7, and seven, and da, da, da. See, 2001 was an exceptional year. It wasn't the new norm post-Lavelle, who at the end, let's be honest, got a little trunky. There was some eight-win season. Nine, it wasn't the 10 and 11 years. 12-2, and two, and then you go boom, boom, you go down. It t- it's going to take a lot to get to the point where BYU is very competitive at the upper echelon of the Big 12. We think the BYU can do it. It's, it's going to take a while to get there consistently? Yes. One, like one year would be awesome, but I don't think we're in the we want to just do it one-year game. Like, you want to be Arizona and go to the Fiesta Bowl in 2014 and then you always suck? That's the team no. I'm talking about. Like, no. they, they, they got there and they're like, yeah, we're good for five years. Uh, they're good for like 40. Like, they don't do anything <laughs> in football. You know what I mean? BYU hopes uh, and has some really high ambitions. They don't want to just be one-offs. We don't want we don't want this to be the the Aaron Roderick era only, and he bounces after this year and goes somewhere. It's like it's going to be bigger than this. We hope as BYU goes to the Big Twelve and tries to compete yes. at a high level. So I, I guess what I'm saying is, if BYU wins ten games again this year, and it's now three years in a row, you can even throw out the COVID exception and just say it's two years in a row. The two years prior to going to the Big Twelve. That will alter expectations going into year one, even if Jaron Hall leaves. It just will. Yes. Like, does Cincinnati expect to be as good as they've been without Desmond Ritter and, like, seven draft picks? They're not going to be as good. That's, that's the reality of the situation. And that's – hopefully BYU can recruit and replenish, but let's be honest. 
If you have a great year like the last two years, we hope three. It's okay to have a, a weird one in there, and then you go back up. Our question of the day, when do you expect BYU football to make a Big 12 championship game? Not win a Big 12 championship, just get to a Big 12 championship game. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. A guy who has long been known for prognosticating awesomeness when it comes to Zach Wilson and others. Cam, welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. I always like to be known as that, a prognosticator of, of awesomeness, essentially. So <laughs> thanks for having me. Uh, I'm, I'm always happy to be welcomed in as such. So uh, thanks for having me. Zach first. That's what we should yes. uh, font you as. Yes. Yeah. Put that in your uh, social media handles for sure. <laughs> I'm going to go to LinkedIn right now, and I'll put that in there after we're done here. So. <laughs> well, with that in mind, you also – love Jaron Hall and have deemed him as a top six, top seven quarterback to be taken in the approaching NFL draft. That would have him late first round. So, Cam, why do you like Jaron Hall to go as early as late in the first round? Because we're seeing projections everywhere from the first round all the way back to like the fifth round. Yeah, there's only, I think, one deterring factor to not have him in the first round. It, it'll be his age. I mean, if, if Kenny Pickett's an older quarterback, going to be 24, just turned 24, Jaron, what, 25 as he's transitioning to the NFL, I think that's the only deterring factor. But honestly, it it helps him in a day and age where we just skipped a bunch of quarterbacks in this last NFL draft, and there's a bunch of, you know, bridge quarterback is now a term. Jaron Hall comes in, and he starts from day one, in my opinion. There's a there's multiple intangibles that he has. Every level of the field, the NFL throws, outbreaking routes, 20 yards down the field, throwing receivers open, but it's the little subtle nuances in his game. It's the squaring of his shoulders. It's the arm angles he can throw up from under pressure, and it's navigation of the pocket. There's so many things that he does well that are so subtle, so small, that it takes you know multiple looks, multiple uh, rewatches of the plays and games that he's, he's had. So injury history and age deterrent, I guess. But honestly, there's nothing else in his game that he doesn't have that isn't near elite. And what's wild, and you use the E-word, uh, we don't use it in vain on this show, so nicely done. He had a tremendous season last year, a guy that has two years of eligibility, but if he has a great year, it sure feels like, and from what we've heard, that he would bounce and go to the NFL, especially in this situation, he should, right? Um, he's, he's a guy that has waited his turn and last year performed well, and then this year has an opportunity to increase that with more high-profile games. So is there is there a moment or a game that you feel like Jaron needs to seize to be a first-round guy, to be a second-round guy this year on this schedule? Uh, it's probably the beginning slate, those, those uh, maybe not USF, but it's, it's hosting Baylor and it's hosting the familiarity of the former coaches and coaching staff members. Um, we'll get to Eric Mateos and how he left that the line, I'm sure, eventually here. But uh, getting to, to Baylor, but going to Eugene uh, week three, you got to go in there and I, Oregon may not be what they once were, you know, a couple of years ago in terms of the secondary play, but there are still some members of that secondary that if he lights up that Oregon secondary um, and just Oregon in general in Eugene, I think that's the moment. That's the game to look at right there is whether or not we're going to see that Jaron Hall all season long. And if that's going to, you know, propel him, I think that's the game that could do it. Cam Miller is with us on BYU Sports Nation. We're discussing Jaron Hall. Uh, we've got the quarterback stuff out of the way, but Cam, we can't help but notice who's protecting Jaron Hall. Blake Freeland has seemed to just fly up draft boards. A lot of people like him in the first round. So who do you expect to go first, Blake Freeland or Jaron Hall? It's tough. I think Blake has the the better chance. I think Jaron's got a really – it's an uphill battle with C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young. I mean, if people are even 
looking at Tyler Van Dyke from Miami as a first round kid, I don't believe it yet. We'll see, but there's so many good quarterbacks right now. And with so many teams that might be needy left tackle, I think is very open right now. There is no left tackle one. There's no Evan Neal. There's no Kim Iquano in this draft class right now. I think Blake Freeland could prove himself to be left tackle. If Donovan Smith's of the world are getting $60 million for the bucks, then it clearly shows how valuable left tackles are, but good ones at that. And I think Blake Freeland is a guy who's got size feet, hands and his ability to anchor and balance balance through contact at left tackle is incredibly difficult to do. And it's a transitional period, but it's one thing that I mentioned to him before speaking with coach Mateos, he said Blake Freeland is one of the best he's ever had to do that as well. So that's what he loved about him and, and sad to leave if uh, I can quote him there properly. Yeah. Blake Freeland's ascension has been incredible quarterback in high school, super mobile. He's put on the weight. He's so quick. It's, it's been fun to watch because we've seen multiple uh, outlets say, hey, first-round potential top 10 guy. It's like, whoa, didn't realize the ceiling was that high, which is super exciting. But back to the quarterback thing. So Kenny Pickett, only guy taken right in the first round last year. Um, everybody's talked about how this is going to be a better quarterback draft. I don't know if that's just because it wasn't good last year that it's going to be better next year or what the needs of certain teams and timing. Do you feel like Jaron could benefit from, hey, say maybe four to seven guys go in the first round next year? That's where maybe he sneaks into the first? Yeah, I mean he he could. It's it's very possible. It's very likely. I think his pro ready, his pro ready ability will be something that pushes him up into that upper echelon. There's going to be guys that I think they're going to bank on traits. Tyler Van Dyke being one of them um, from Miami. I'll just use him as another example because there's traits, there's elite skills in his arm. But I, whether he has it mentally, Phil Jerkovic from Boston College as well. Whether he has it mentally, he's got some some very good traits in his arm. But I think they're not pro ready. And they won't have that ability to understand systems like Jaron could. So the age might help him there, uh, but that ability to, if he can showcase it again, the linear growth as a quarterback this season going into it, I think that that's what vaults him into it as well. Cam Miller is senior director of college football and the pro football network. Uh, we're talking about potentially BYU having an historic draft because not only are we discussing Jaron Hall and Blake Freeland, they both might go in the first round. We'll see as you were just discussing, but Clark Barrington, Puka Nakua, Peyton Wilgar is the guy that you've been high on in the recent past, and now he's healthy and looking to take that next level jump into the NFL. Throwing Isaac Rex at tight end. So, Cam, how many guys are we talking about that you legitimately think BYU will have drafted in 2023? You have the, you said the five there, and then the six as well. If you do throw in Isaac Rex, I, you know, I'm not going to go out as far as say Mason Wake is one of those players as well, but I think if we saw you know, multiple of those fullback H-back types that could transition to one of those pass catching roles out of the backfield or as an inline tight end wakes up there as well. So you have five, I think that's a very high possibility. Six is a bit of a reach. Um, Peyton, unfortunately, his injury history as well and his age will likely ding him a little bit there. I think he's got all around incredible skills, but definitely the next after the top two, it, it's Barrington. Um, and then for future prog prognosticating as well, I think Campbell as well, Campbell Barrington in the next two years for him as well. But Right now, this draft, you have Blake and you have Clark Barrington. I think both can prove to be, I mean, interior offensive line aren't going to be day one, guys. It's going to be a stretch to get them in day two. But at this point, I mean, he's a lock for that day, day three, round four, Barrington, if he keeps showing what he's been able to showcase. When you talked about uh, the offensive line and Eric Mateo, certainly we feel like it's loaded. We're very excited about this offensive line. Christopher Brooks coming in from Cal, running behind it. We feel like, hey, it's got to be a thousand-yard guy, at least behind this offensive line. What did you learn from your conversations with Eric Mateos, who's at Baylor, who's going to play BYU, about this O line because uh, the Cougars really like what they've got this year? Yeah, it's uh, how he recruited, I guess. That's probably the best way to say it, and what he left them with the intangibles. Um, 
isolating what works in the college game, but also what transitions them to the pro level too. talking with him as well. And that's where the Blake Freeland came up. That's where a couple of his guys now down at Baylor have come up too. but it's uh it's balance is one of the bigger things that he stresses as well as, you know, the ability to road grade to uh, lack of a better term, get out there and really want to pancake guys that grit the tenacity. And that's what this whole line is all about. In my opinion, they want to, you know, they want to snatch your head off. Basically they want to plant you in the ground. And I think that's what really stands out about all these guys too. They're not just these, you know, light on their feet, great footwork guys. They're strong, mean, and very tenacious at the point of attack. I think road grade's the best phrase to use there. I love that phrase. That's an amazing phrase. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Chris, Chris Brooks, I, there's a reason he came, right? Uh, yes. You got to look at those five and be like, hey, I really want to run behind those guys. I can do a lot on my own, but I'm going to have huge holes to run through this season. We've been looking at correlations between BYU winning a lot of games, finishing ranked, and what that means for players in the draft. How much does a team winning in college correlate to players having their draft stock increased, if you will? It's it's tough to, to look at it and say it doesn't help. I mean, you look at what the national championship, there was 16 of them or in the playoffs, at least that were first rounders from those four teams alone. They won the most games last year, Georgia with a historic draft. They won the, the whole thing. I mean, it's, it's hard to say that it doesn't actively do good things for you. You get more notoriety. You, you start to look at as a scout, what's making this team good. And you look at the sum of their whole parts as well. And I think that's what ultimately it boils down to. You got to win some of those on the, on the national stage, you know, beating Utah state this year is not going to really quite do it but beating Oregon, beating Baylor, or even holding your own. I mean, Jared's best game last year, in my opinion, was that second half of the Baylor game. The dude lit it up. And so there's moment, there's there's victories within losses and defeats, unfortunately, because I don't know if we really think we're, we go 12-0 and as BYU right now. It's possible if Jaron is who we think he is and he gets a little bit of help. But I'm not going to go on record and say that. But, no, it does. Obviously, it helps. Um, it's because you look at it at that. You look at, you know, what's making this team tick, what's making this team good. Ultimately, Zach is what made it good. What, two years ago now at this point, it feels like we're, uh, we're already two years past that year. That's pretty crazy. But uh, I, I digress. Uh, it's That's what you look at and you say, hey, what's making them take? What's making it good? And it's it helps. There's no way around it. I'm seeing 12 and 0 through the blue goggles. I don't know what you're talking about, Cam. I, I, I just, I just, <laughs> I, I see it now. Yeah. Okay. Let's take them off. Uh, oh, 10 and 2. Still good. Um, will that change? That being BYU has to have this really nice season to really get a a sort of Dax Milne on the radar. Obviously, he he rides the Zach wave with that too. But um, it, do you think in the Big 12 that will adjust for BYU a little bit where they are more visible, they don't have to have this unbelievable year for some of the other guys to get noticed? Yes, because, yeah, you, you look at a team like Texas Tech, they're not noticed on a national stage. I think BYU has a bigger platform nationally than Texas Tech does. But Texas Tech's got that baked in nature where you're scouting Texas players, you're scouting Baylor players, Oklahoma players, obviously, to use both Texas and Oklahoma, now gone, of course, but or will be gone. Bad example. But you know, the, the baked in nature, you're going to scout those other big name programs, or you're just in Big 12 country, you just do the whole Big 12 loop. It's going to help them vastly because you could, you know, lose a couple of conference games, but you're still getting eyes, more eyes than you would, you know, just playing out west or playing on a, you know, non big market stage. And I, it, it'll definitely help them there. You don't need this meteoric rise from, uh, you know, national to national prominence. It'll just, you'll sort of be there. You'll always be there in the back of the minds of everybody. All right, Cam, let's have you go on record because you are the director of college football for the Pro Football Network and uh, you're all things football. Let's start with this first one. How many games do you expect BYU to win in the 2022 regular season? 
you're putting me in a really tough spot here. Let me, uh, let's, can we, let's go through the schedule together and let me just go say through the USF, schedule, is yeah. win. USF is a win. Um, I'm, I really like, I think Jerry Bohannon will give them a, a good uptick at quarterback play. I like Stimmy McLean. Uh, I, USF is still a few years away. Even Jeff Scott probably knows it as well. Uh, that Baylor game, I think coming to Provo hurts um, and they got to figure out their quarterback. So I can see that, that as a win as well. I think they, Baylor's not quite there and they need a little bit, you know, some of some of their whole parts um, after losing Bohannon um, and figuring out that issue. I think for 2-0, and I'm going to go on I like it. Well and, you know, I do have the BYU flag uh, <laughs> in the garage. I, I can't not, I can't not wrap them at this point, Beautiful. let's face it. So, Cam Meller, we appreciate the time as always bringing it on BYU Sports Nation. We'll talk to you again soon. My pleasure, guys. Thanks as always. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Cougar Whip Around, presented by Marisk, your integrated container logistics company enabling global trade for a growing world. 24-7's uh, Josh Pate has BYU over Notre Dame as one of his five upset specials this year in college football. When BYU beats Notre Dame, would this be a top 10 win in BYU history? It's impossible to answer this question because we don't know what Notre Dame will be when BYU faces them in Las Vegas. If they're a top 10 team, then yes, understandably, it would absolutely be a top 10 win in BYU history. However, what if this is the Notre Dame team from 2004 that was quarterbacked by Brady Quinn? That Where he got good. They opened the season. Notre Dame finished with a losing record that year, and we don't BYU finished care. with a losing record that year too, and beat Notre Dame head to head. Yeah, we don't actually care. Is that an all-time win? Good. No, it's not an all-time. It's cool to beat Notre Dame, but like, yeah. not all Notre Dame teams are created equally. They're so playing we, at Ohio State, so they're going to be 0 1 start the year. Marshall Cal at North Carolina by week before BYU. Three and one and ranked like number BYU. 15. I didn't know that until now. I don't know. Yeah, it, like if Notre Dame finishes with 10 or more wins and is like top 15 and BYU is also hopefully top 15, that'll be pretty so, heavy. It's got what, a shot. What Notre Dame is when BYU beats them factors into this heavily totally. because Notre Dame like totally. Let's Oklahoma in 2009 is a prime example. They were number three. You don't three, have to preach the how right? they ended right? up thing. I, I feel like no, I made what, this up no, here. But, no, what I'm saying yeah. is like BYU fans view that as an all-time win, even though Oklahoma finished eight and five. Because they were number three. Yes. How you felt when you dated that girl first versus what they ended up later when you checked them out on Facebook is very different, right? And it all comes full different. circle back to dating <laughs> and Facebook. Or you just don't look and you don't care. Like, were they eight and five? I don't know. Are they three and ten in their life? Are they ten and three? You want it to be an all-time win. <laughs> Hope that Notre Dame finishes with nine or ten wins this season. Then it's an all-timer for sure. Yes. Well, the combo of both is the ultimate. Like Miami's number one when you beat them, they finish three. Greatest win in BYU history because yes. you had both. Yep. The, the CBK report. Oh, CBK of for course. college basketball. Yeah, of course. Put out their final four picks from their analysts because they have a team of analysts. Because everyone knows who everyone has already. Okay, so their analysts, two have Gonzaga in the final four in the approaching season. Okay. Token picks. No surprise. Did you even think? One has BYU in the final four. This isn't the NIT, right? This is the final four, like the, the other one? Trell. Whoever Trell is <laughs> has BYU in the final four. Did he mean is Gonzaga? Trevin, is this Trevin Nell's name combined? Yes. Did, did Trell mean Gonzaga? Or does is he like just 
Does he know hold something up, that up. we all don't? Parker's got UAB? Yep. The fighting Tradas! I don't want to hear that again. If you don't know that reference at all, I look like a freaking idiot, which I probably do anyway. <laughs> it's this, does Trell know something? Does Trell know something? Who's, who's BYU got coming to the transfer portal, Trell? This just in. BYU's not making it to the Final Four. We hope they make it to the NIT Final well, Four. So my best. question is, should Trell be a new host on BYU Sports Nation to replace we, the Blue Goggle Jason Shepard? Maybe we not, We never <laughs> want to replace Shep. Maybe we do a Blue Goggle. It's just called Blue Goggles, and it's Tuesday nights from 6 to 8. That's what I propose. Clint Take and his golf team of Keanu Aquina, Rob Brow, and John Swift shot a 64, losing to Kyle Whittingham and his Utah team. Uh, consisting of Morgan Scally, Greg Jensen, and John Morgan, who uh, allegedly shot a 54. How many mulligans were strokes. teams allowed to buy and utilize? That's what, what the, I want. What are the Pac-12 rules with golf? Yeah, mul- mulligans were clearly in play. And the National Kidney Foundation's golf tournament. Is this a blemish on BYU's versus the Pac-12 record? No, because it required mulligans for Utah's team to shoot a 54. <laughs> no. How, what ha- why can't we? Why didn't we bring in Mike Weir? Or, or uh, you know, Tony Finau or somebody. Mike, Mike Weir's busy on the PGA Tour. <laughs> Also, but Tony this is was well. for the National Kidney <laughs> Foundation. Think about the children. Oh boy! Got lost by ten strokes. Maybe maybe Todd Miller. Like Todd yeah. Miller. Todd Miller would be a Bruce prime Brockbank, candidate. Yep. Ginger Quake. Zach Zach we, Blair. We can, one of Daniel Summerhays. We can work on bettering the BYU team for next year. BYU's yeah. golf team should just like BYU golf versus Utah golf. BYU should destroy. But Utah Utah, Utah is good now. They got two top ten guys in the country. I'm talking historically, bro. Sure, sure. But Bring in years, all U- the ringers. Utah's a totally different Take golf Take Corey o- Yashimura, get him in there, and he would help us. Come on, man. <sighs> oh, my goodness. We shouldn't lose by ten strokes to you, even if it's for fun. Come on. It's not a blemish. All right, two pieces of Big 12 news. One, Dennis Dodd reports the following. He says, hearing no internal candidates for the Big 12 commissioner job. Uh. That could change, of course. President's wrangling over external candidates. It's like a Texas. And how far away from traditional college candidates they may want to look. Hmm. Traditional college candidates. Okay. Okay. And John Rothstein reports that in hoops, the Big 12 is planning to stay at 18 league games when the league has 14 teams in 2023 to 2025. Teams will likely play eight teams once, five teams twice. Which piece of future conference news do you find more interesting? Frankly, it's the basketball news because uh, I'm very interested in what that looks like because the Big 12, Big 12 is going to be really hard in hoops. Fewer games is probably good, although you get uh, rewarded for that tough schedule. Not too worried about the commission thing. Look, look, we're we're getting invited to the party. We don't care who the DJ is. We're just happy to be there. I already miss Bob Bowlesby, by the way. Bob. I miss Bob. By, by the way. Bob, you can come back to the Big 12, too. Shaley. Our arms are still open. With arms wide open. Uh, Bob, by the way, yesterday we discussed this. When we say Bob, we mean Bowlesby. We don't even have to say Bowlesby, no. We just say Bob. He's our guy. Okay. He's our guy. You've declared it? Yes. And and Chef goes, well, what other Bobs are there in like BYU sports that we... Bob Jensen, is that yeah, who we're Bob talking about? Bob Jensen, the quarterback. Like, I thought you meant Bob Jensen. That's crazy. <laughs> Pat Riley challenged the media to a push-up contest. Of course, longtime uh, winning coach for the Lakers and, uh, you know, president of the Heat. Yep. Uh, who would you take in that contest? 77-year-old Pat Riley or Kyle Collins? Kyle Collinsworth. Next. 100%. 100 push-ups today, Next. baby. Next. The director of football equipment, Josh Hewitt, posted a video of what it takes to prepare for a football game. Watch and listen to this. I'm Josh Hewitt, director of football equipment here at BYU. Today we're going to walk you through the process of how to get a ball out of the package to game ready. 
So the first step is we'll take the hot wet towel and basically we're taking the wax off the ball. Next we'll take the mud, uh, a light layer of mud to coat the ball and we'll let it sit for 12 or 24 to 48 hours. And then from there we'll take the ball and uh, brush it out. We're basically gonna brush the mud into the leather to break the leather in. Once we're done with that, we'll wet towel to get the remaining mud off the ball. Basically softening that leather and making it softer to catch and throw. Um, quarterbacks like it because it gets rid of the sickness. And that's how we break into BYU football. The dark cowhide is gorgeous. Like the after, cowhide it's, after hits it home, has bro. been, yeah, manicured, if we want to call it that. It looks awesome. You would that say that after the popping. nails thing. Nails are gone for the record. Oh, look at that. What did you learn about game ball preparation here from BYU Equipment? I didn't know mud was providing. Now, what Neither mud is that? Is that? That's not like just mud from someone's backyard. That looks like it's, uh, you know, special. Leather to, mud? To, yeah, to, to you know, <laughs> moisturize the football or whatever. I didn't like, realize that there was that level of extent going into preparing a game ball. That is the case with every process in the world. Like, does it's more bas complicated Basketball than doesn't do that, though, right? They just, like, you get a basketball and you play with the basketball brand new. Like, you don't have to, like, condition the leather, Good do question. They? It's like Alex Barcella, like, mm, I need this moisturizer. I got I'm going to need the basketball mud conditioned into the leather here. I'm going to fire a text to Bobby Hordusky here like, in a second and a half. It's, this, this feels like it's unique to football. That's pretty awesome uh, that what goes into that. And, and each quarterback would have a certain sort of, uh, you know, preference or whatever. That's yes. By the way, BYU football, lucky to have Josh Hewitt. He did incredible things on a limited budget at UNLV. Like, I've, I've just heard legendary things about this guy. Now he's got more of a budget. It's it's amazing to have him working in the equipment room. Welcome to a uh, Power 5 school next year. <laughs> Let's go. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your integrated container logistics company enabling global trade for a growing world. The Jets and Falcons play a preseason Monday Night Football game on August 22nd. Which fan base will have the greater viewership, Falcons, Jets, or Cougars? <laughs> I'm going to go with the New York Jets. New York media beats all. Yeah, even though it's one of two teams, it will still be, yes, Jets. But there will be a lot of Cougar fans watching that one. That'll be fun. For sure, but it'll be the New York media. I bet Tyler's going to get a lot of run, pun intended, in that one, because uh, he's trying you know, trying to prove himself on the he team. He and Cordero Patterson are the guys for the Falcons, it would seem. Exciting. BYU junior quarterback Jaron Hall, hoping to have an NFL future. He's working out with John Beck this summer in California, but he's flying there to and from, not driving like Zach Wilson did. What does this say about Jaron Hall? NIL exists. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, during a pandemic, certainly you can have uh, a different situation there. And listen, sometimes a road trip's fun. You know, driving 10 hours by yourself. Uh, some people don't like that. Others do, like Zach did. But yeah, he's just trying to get in and out and uh, play some golf in between. It. Yes, it's situational awareness by Jaron Hall Obedience. because they're not in a pandemic. Obedience. And efficiency by Jaron Hall. It's not works. You know. I mean, Zach Wilson didn't have any other options. He couldn't go anywhere and really do anything else. He could have flown if he wanted. Well, no, I'm saying like, he's got some fly, Why fly down there and do what? You can't do anything in California at that he, point. He hangs out with the Rexes. Least, That's what he did. At least he spends time driving and you know culturing himself with music. I don't know. He watched the Last Dance too on the way. <laughs> Listen, I guess. Good football go. TikTok asked players who their top gun uh, top gun wingman would be. So which BYU athlete would you have as your wingman? This is really tough for me, but I'm going to go with Puka Nakua. 
I just like, I just think Puka, he embodies big personality. Yes. And like, Would he pay attention enough, though, to push all the buttons? Well, he didn't have to. Like, <laughs> I, I'm doing the pilot stuff. He's back there just, uh, you know. Dorking around. Yeah, man. He's, <laughs> he's the goose. I he has to do something. He's the goose. But, yeah. but when called upon, he knows what to do. You know? I, big, big personality like Puka Nakua. We just mentioned him, but Jaron Hall is like the perfect wingman because he can be fun. Really? But super serious and focused when he needs See, to be. I feel like he's Iceman. And if I'm inept, then he's going to carry it. Because let's be honest, he's like better at his job than I am. Like. Who's Maverick within BYU Athletics right now? It would be Max Hall if Max Hall was still here. Yes. I, he would be Maverick. Like, yes. What what he did in the alumni game was set a certain tone that changed the entire game. I saw some of the older guys in there like, I want to go in. You ain't going in. Yeah. It's a little too competitive yeah. right now. The other, the other guy for me would be Ty Detmer. Okay? For the That'd Southern Southern drawing because he knows so many things, so many details. He's just wearing a cowboy hat. <laughs> How about this? NFL All-Pro linebacker and BYU great Fred Warner will be the official pace car driver for the NASCAR Sonoma 350. Question is, will Fred keep the speed under 55? He's supposed to go, what, 45, we heard, or something? Um, Fred seems like he's going to obey the rules there, but... Who knows? As you said this morning, maybe he goes his jersey number worth. 54. Yeah, he wears he wears 54. He he's not going to eclipse 54. Does, can the pace car driver get a penalty too? <laughs> he gets a 15 yarder. They're like, all right. Is the following Taco Bell establishment which looks like a fancy bank with multiple drive-throughs in Minnesota? The the most unnecessary thing ever, or the coolest thing you've ever seen? This is like a building in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. It looks unbelievable. I'd like to uh, withdraw $200 from my savings account. Also, I'd like a chalupa and uh, a beef gordita supreme. Thanks. Look, look at that. Um, you know, you can order uh, online, and you show up, and it just automates. It comes down. What'd be funny is if they're launching burritos and tacos in a tube like a credit union. Just comes out like in a complete mess. Can I get my change? Uh, with a couple of fives and uh, the rest in $1 bills. Uh, I only got four mild plus packets. I need like eight. What, what happens it, now? It's a bank. That's it's a big. Taco Bell bank. I'd put my money in that. Probably give me more than Bitcoin. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Uh, it's draft talk once again, Jerem Jordan, because BYU football is pacing for what we believe could be an historic draft in 2023. And it's not just us. It's multiple draft projections, including ESPN's Mel Kuyper, who I argue is probably the most prominent draft expert out there. There's not there with Todd McShay, right? McShay Those might two. have something to say about that. Those two because ESPN. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Four guys from BYU projected in Mel Kuyper's top 10 in their respective positions for the 2023 NFL Draft, which brings us to a very early stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. BYU has had five players drafted three times in the modern draft era. By modern draft era, we mean since it moved to just seven rounds in 1994. Yes. So in 1995, they had yep. five. In 2002, BYU had five. In 2021, BYU had five. Now, what's interesting about this, Jerem, is mm-hmm. the previous seasons for BYU football, the Cougars had at least 10 wins ten, in all of those seasons. 10, 12, 10, to be exact. How about that? Mm, mm, mm. At least 10 wins leading into those drafts. So there's some correlation there. We'll talk to Cam Miller about that in a bit. But my question for you is, will 2023 be a BYU football record when it comes to the number of draft picks they have in the modern draft era. Are they going to go 
six plus and set a new mark for BYU? 17 plus. Uh, they could. There's a chance that we think this team is awesome. Like, this team's going to be really good, especially on offense. Excited for the defense to improve. Let's see how much of an improvement that is. We expect the offense to continue what it's been doing the last couple of years. They don't have to be as good as the last two years. They just need to approximate that, right? Be top 25, be top, you know, 18 or whatever, and you're in business with uh, 10 possible wins here in the regular season and some really big wins at that. So, yes, uh, Jaron Hall, Blake Freeland, Clark Barrington, those feel like three guys who will be drafted after this year if they go. Now, um, you know, a, a couple of these guys, they can all return. They'd all have extra year of eligibility, I believe, not sure on Clark. Maybe he has one more year. But these guys are going to have a great year, and they're going to bounce. And that's a great thing for BYU sure. because that means you had a great year. That means you went to the NFL. This COVID extra year, not everyone needs to maximize that year of eligibility. Sorry to break it to you. There's a point of diminishing returns where you've been in college like five years. You're like, I'm good. I do like the idea of making a lot of money. That's the point of college. You mentioned right? those big three. Isaac Rex is the fourth in his respective top ten, according to Mel to Kiper. That. Yes, yeah. yes. So there are other guys in the mix who could be drafted. Isaac Rex needs to have a better year than he had last year. Obviously, he's coming off injury. But he's a guy who could be a draft pick at tight end. Big target. Huge freshman year. Not as big of a uh, sophomore year statistically. If he gets somewhere in the middle of that, like all you need to do is have like eight touchdowns and – and 500 yards, and you're on the radar. Like, And then he has the physical tools as well. Puka Nakua, I believe, will have a 1,000-yard season and be a draft pick. Like, I think Puka's going to have a great year. Got, he finally had an offseason where he wasn't hurt. Uh, Peyton Wilgar is a guy that if he runs a good 40, he could be drafted as well. And then there's a couple outliers, like D'Angelo Mandel, potentially out of the secondary. How good can Keenan Peely be? Granted, had the knee injury. That's always a little scary for some teams, but if he has a great year, he's got a shot. So I, I don't know that there's like seven, Spence, but I think there's a shot at having five, and that would be tremendous. I think BYU's got three. If BYU wins 10-plus, BYU's got three for sure. If not four, maybe five. This is another exciting situation, and you brought up the point of BYU's got probably got to have a good year to get on the radar. I, I think that that will change in the Big 12 where BYU's on the radar regardless. Listen, a team like UConn can have multiple draft picks. You don't always have to win. But it certainly helps when you're visible. Like David Nixon and Johnny Harleen and a couple of these guys, they get drafted if BYU's not on the mountain and they're on ESPN. I really believe that. The exposure of BYU's current contract and the future exposure of the Power 5 will certainly help BYU. And BYU is on the map with NFL guys. A lot of that happened when you win with the COVID year and Zach Wilson's too. So Dax Milne's getting seen. Brady Christensen's getting seen at a higher level. Those guys were awesome, but they also took advantage of the we're winning and being noticed thing. I think BYU does that again this year. Yeah, I mean, we could probably go 11 or 12 deep in terms of like guys that are hoping to have NFL careers. I think they're all hoping. Right? It's, the point is BYU is loaded with talent. And we expect that to translate into at least nine regular season wins. At least. Maybe ten. Maybe. And then we'll see what happens if and when BYU gets into a bowl game, depending on which bowl game that is, if they can take that even a little bit higher. I think that BYU will have five draft picks. I think they will equal what has happened in 1995, 2002, and 2021. Who's the fifth? It's probably Peyton Wilgar. Mm, yeah. Let's go, Peyton. Oh, highlight of Peyton. Timely. 
Yeah, I, I feel like because Peyton was not healthy and because Keenan Peely was injured, he was asked to play out of position and injured last year, and it just kind of took a toll. And he was never healthy for the majority of the season. So with Keenan Peely back, Peyton gets to float back to his natural position with health, coming off surgery, time to prepare. He's going to be the Peyton Wilgar that we saw in 2020. Wilgar? Okay, I, I fully anticipate that will happen. Uh, Mason Wake is another guy that – NFL scouts like fullback position. I don't know how much the fullback is valued in the NFL at this point. They don't need to draft a fullback, probably. But if you are a pass catching option that can also block and you can be put into a slot position, maybe. You have to be those things to even have a shot at making a roster. Yeah. Sure. Malik Moore is a name that we need to mention as well. He's got some work to do and some things to prove, but he's getting on some radars. It started with the Wingstop deal. Once he got that, (laughs) Then he had a shot at the NFL. Before that, no shot. Yeah. I, so, I mean, we've mentioned 12 different names on this BYU football team. There are probably seven or eight of those that have a really good shot of getting drafted, depending on what happens in the approaching season. Who's the Chris Wilcox, where it's like kind of off the board? Maybe that's like, D'Angelo Whoa. Mandel. Maybe it is, yes. Where And, and maybe it's Malik, where, oh, you, re- you had an incredible pro day. Your film was good. And maybe sneak into day three somewhere in the six or seven. Gunnar Romney is a guy that feels like he can sure. do exactly what Dax Milne did. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, if, if Zach, I believe Dax would be in the NFL as an undrafted free agent too, but the fact that he gets drafted late, I think it helped obviously a ton that Zach was the number two pick in the whole draft. So you go, who's your number one guy? Is he good enough? And it was like, yeah, Dax's hands and his route running are uh, incredible. So yes, he's in the league. I hope that happens with a Jaron Hall and Blake Freeland kind of wave where it's like, well, who else is there on that offensive line? Campbell Barrington, boom, sneaks into the fourth round or whatever. And in a year, like maybe Harris Lachance starts, and he's awesome too. Kingsley Suamataia hopefully is here for a year or two, and boom, he's a guy that hopefully we're talking about as a day one or two pick. And then uh, you got a couple other guys who could be really good. Who knows? Campbell Barrington, Keanu Saliapaga, and others from this loaded offensive line. Like, what if, and what if Christopher Brooks, Spence, has like a 1,400 yard year? And he's got an NFL body. Touchdowns. Like, what if he's a guy that goes fifth round like Tyler Algier at some point? Because it's not always about your stats, right? The NFL doesn't care about the stats as much as they care about the intangibles. Potential. Yes. Like, why was Ziggy the fifth pick? He had four and a half sacks. It's not a huge number. He was drafted because of the freak of nature. Yes, primarily on potential because of what he'd done in the limited reps he had. Yes. So it's not always about the stats, but the stats help. Like, Tyler Algier had an incredible uh, year, fifth round, right? There were other guys who had worse stats who went higher. So let's – I just love that we're in this situation, Spence. Like – We've had a few years where we're going to the football season. We're just hoping they win eight or whatever. We feel like this team can win 10, if not more, and that we're talking about at least three draft picks, if not five, like plus. Yeah. This is a special offseason. I dare say the most hyped team in BYU history since going into 09. Wow. Because of the talent coming back, because of of what they did the previous year, because of the development we trust from the coaching staff. And again, the real MVP of this whole friggin' thing is Aaron Roderick. Aaron Roderick and this staff are developing the offense in a way that reminds us of the 80s with BYU's quarterbacks, of those offensive lines that BYU had, of the skill positions where you plug and play a running back that has real success. Now And now, by the way, this receiving uh, core is, is extremely talented. In the past, BYU could get away with sort of the 
four seven speed six two white guy that isn't jumping out of the you know what I mean? Now BYU's got and they were really good receivers. I'm not saying they weren't good receivers. I'm just saying like at pro day they're not popping as much, right? Andy Boyce was having like 1300 yards receiving. That was awesome. Eric Drake. That was all those guys. It was awesome. Now you've got a Puka Nakua who physically is just off the charts. Gunnar Romney, tremendous receiver. Keanu Hill, awesome. Chase Roberts coming off a mission, has had a year. Great. Cody Epps, can he be a guy that Bryce Young threw to for 1,800 yards? The, the O-line feels like a traditional BYU O-line from the 80s. This is a very exciting time for Cougar football. Let's go, man. Yeah, <clears throat> and I fully expect it to result in, and I'll go on record again, Five draft picks. Like, if it's more, fantastic. <laughs> if it's more, let's, I, I, take, I take four right now. Like, if but, you, I take three right now, bro. I feel like BYU will equal the three times previously that they have put five into the draft. And also, I had this random thought as we were discussing the numbers. It's not be- random, it's inspired. Before the modern draft era, when it did go into like 11 rounds, yeah. Ty Detmer was drafted after the seventh round. Mm-hmm. Ty Detmer, Wouldn't the Heisman Trophy winner, and he finished third in the Heisman voting his, third, his senior year. Okay. He would have been undrafted in the modern era. It's because he's 5'10", he was 5'10", 190 or whatever, like 5'11", 190. It's physical tools. Yeah. But, like, the dude started in the NFL. The dude overcame the <laughs> perception of those uh, lack of physical yeah. tools. Yes. I mean, he, he goes down as a draft pick, but in the modern era. But not in the modern era. Like, not in the seven-round draft that sure. we're talking about. That's pretty crazy. It's tougher, obviously, to get drafted now. There are fewer rounds. NBA, same thing. It's only two rounds. It's only two rounds. Used to be several. And, and like, if you're a white American player, there's like a handful of those dudes. You know what I mean? Like, it's better to be Lithuanian in the NBA draft than it is American. (laughs) It is. It's good to be Luka Doncic. (laughs) Not Lithuanian, but yes. I know. I'm not saying he is Lithuanian. I'm saying like that, that mold. Like, if you're European circuit. You have a better shot than uh, Yoli Childs. You know what I mean? (laughs) Our question of the day. What do you think? What's more likely? BYU produces five or more NFL draft picks in 2023, or the Cougars have 10-plus wins in 2022 as a team. That's interesting because it feels like they're tied together somewhat. What's more likely? Let's hear from you in Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation. On BYU Sports Nation. At CL underscore living on Twitter answers, they go together for sure, but draft picks are probably more likely because the talent is there. Mm-hmm. Wins, losses sometimes depend on the fickle yes. bounce of a non-spherical ball. Yes, no, it's totally true. Do you believe BYU can still get five if they win fewer than ten total, including the bowl game? Yes, if they go nine and four, the talent is there. Because BYU has a, here's another thing, a benefit of sort of BYU's schedule this year too. And they have the talent to match this schedule, which is exciting. Is BYU has showcase camps. Baylor, Oregon, Notre Dame, Arkansas. That film is going to be reviewed a million times by scouts and GMs over the offseason where it's BYU's playing against some of the big boys. And BYU is one of the big boys in this situation, which would be awesome. There are people who are watching, yeah, Oregon film who are going to see Blake Freeland and be like, who's that guy? That's a first-round sure. talent or whatever. It's going to sure. be awesome. Yeah, and those, those are the big four. And then just behind those, Boy State and Stanford. I mean, half of BYU's schedule, really, really challenging. South Point validated that with all these games of the year. And it was like, look at that, man, including Utah Tech. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week 
on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Our next <laughs> guest is not only the head coach of the BYU men's basketball team, but a budding actor and director, as seen in one of the newest sketches from Studio C. Here it is. What's up, man? How you doing? How man? was that? It was, it was actually so fun. My girls grew up on Studio C watching it. They love it so much. It's, uh, it, it's, these actors are so incredibly talented, so it was super fun to do. We love when you come on the show because you're honest. So, so here's a question that, that uh, sparks an honest response. When you're in the huddle sometimes and it's crunch time in a game and you roll out a play to your guys, do you look over there and, 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 and see, see some kids going, I have no idea what he's talking about, but yes, coach. You know, the, these, <laughs> we, could, we should do a show sometime just on what happens in the huddles. One of my favorite stories to talk about is we're at Houston. It's my first year coaching. We've just, there's, there's uh, 11 seconds left. Our ball, uh, we have a chance to go win it, right? Um, down one, and uh, we drop a play. Jay Tools is starting with it, and we end up with the turnover and them going the other way. Game over. Magically, there is some incredible like, gift from heaven. They travel on a wide open layup. Yeah. So you talk about genius coaching. So <laughs> we pull the guys in the huddle. All we have left is a 30. We're racing through it really quick. And ultimately what comes out of my mouth is like, TJ, we're going to pass you the ball. I need you to dribble as fast as you can and score it. And sure enough, that's exactly what he did. That's kind of the Tremendous genius coaching. that happens in timeout yes. sometimes. <laughs> that, and that's one of the iconic plays of uh, your, your uh, time here at BYU is that play. Little did we know, that win mattered a ton in helping you uh, yeah. for what would have been an NCAA tournament seed barring COVID. It's uh, a Big 12 homie. It's a team that's tremendous. You know, that was huge. Yeah. Okay, so obviously a lot of conversation and interest in kind of the roster rebuild with – with, uh, you know, Tijon and A.B. going out, Caleb going to Baylor and so on. What's it been like right now as you try and uh, refill this roster and get some new talent? Yeah, it's, it's really exciting. I think it's going to be this way every year, right? There's going to be just um, – there's just going to be changes every year, and, and it gives uh, – it gives, you know, with the new uh, transfer rules, it gives – uh, players a chance to go find out what they want, at least what they think they want. It gives us a chance to rebuild, and it's it's super stressful and super exciting, and, and you get to be really creative, and it's just about finding it's, – it's so important for us here to find, like, the exact right fit pieces. Uh, so I love it. I, I mean, it's just as – it's, it's uh, made the offseason equally as exciting as the season. If you uh, come on this show every time uh, one of your guys announced that they were leaving or that somebody in the Twitter pool announced they were visiting or um, you'd be on every single day. Yeah. Uh, Can we just so, do that? Yeah, or? I would love it, man. I, every you know, day. I, I'm unfiltered. I'll give you all <laughs> the inside scoop. What was it like? Because in the, in the world of coaching and, and also an assistant coach that, that – he had to go find and hire. But all of those moving parts and the exodus comes before the new guys come in, um, and, and it's relatively quiet in the Pope camp. What was it like for you to not just want to come out there and say, hey, the sky is not falling. I'm yeah. building over here. Yeah, it's actually super fun. Like, um, you know, sometimes there are days when, like, um, there's a lot of activity, social media or whatever, and it's kind of fun to just, like, check in every time. It's like you're just eating your popcorn, like, what crazy thing are they going to say? Um, one of the beautiful things about here at BYU is, is fans care so much. And um, information, you know, people can be super creative about uh, the information they invent. 
And it, it actually, it's, you know, I always remind myself that it's such a gift to be here because that only happens because people care. And, um, and so it's a fun process. It re- it's really fun to kind of do our work and then kind of have a little eye towards kind of some of the crazy commentary that's going on. It makes it super fun. You don't want to reach the fan apathy point, right? Where it's like, eh. Oh, no, no, no. That's right? the People worst. People get rid of them because yes. they want this team to be back in the tournament. Yes. Da, da, da. I'm not going to lie. I love some controversy. Because it it keeps people engaged. Yeah, it's that's true. And it so it's uh, it's just it, the whole deal is fun. At the end of the day, like it's such an incredible gift to play here and represent this university and these fans. Like it just is. And um, and so it uh, we're in a special place. We get to do a special job. At what point in the sort of timeline preseason do you feel like you need to have your roster completed? Because there's still a few spots available, right? Yeah, so it's um, we'll we'll get the roster done when we find the right pieces, and 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 it's more important that we're right than we're rushed always mm. in in these decisions. With our coaching staff, it's way more important that we're right than we're rushed, and certainly with our personnel on our team, you know, with with change comes unbelievable opportunity to reinvent ourselves and with this transition into the Big 12 there is nothing we need more than to reinvent ourselves and get better the last three years have been historic I mean we had three straight years ranked in the top 25 two where we finished in the top 25 that's only happened twice before ever in the 120 years of BYU history and still we're looking as like we got to get so much better and so kind of out of some chaos man is a chance for 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 reinvent ourselves and that's what we're in the process of doing and we're super excited about it i think there's a, there's an upside and a downside to the portal the downside is a lot of you guys can leave but the upside is as you mentioned uh, and, and I think the upside really favors you with after what we watched the big 12 do just this last season yeah. is you've got to get your whole roster better yep. And this allows you a window to do it, whereas five, ten years ago, you're back uh, recruiting junior high kids to hopefully someday come here. Yeah, you know, the freshmen that we've recruited uh, when we first got here the first summer, they're just rolling it down right, right. now. Yeah. So so kind of keep it up with the speed and change of the game and our circumstances is really hard. When you're when you're recruiting freshmen, especially freshmen, some of the freshmen that we'll have here, and I, I actually disagree with you. I think the portal is good, and it's good. I, I don't think there's a no downside. downside. I think it's all good. Like it's just it is sheer. Anytime you have opportunity, that's what you're looking for as a player and as a program. And so, I love the portal. Like let's go. So you're okay with. Caleb to Baylor and, and yeah, Gavin to Utah in that regard. A hundred percent. Like, um, you know, you take Gavin. Like, listen, Gavin gave his heart and soul to this place for three years. And it was three in unbelievably difficult emotional yeah. years. Like, who's been through that? And so, you know, Gavin, you know, just in his face and his heart. I mean, I talked to you guys about right before our first game this season about, like, how emotional – he was about kind of facing these demons that he suffered through the last three years. Like, I'm so excited for him to have a fresh start, and he deserves it. And then Caleb, too, like, you know, his his road here wasn't always easy. And yeah. the fact that he gets to go get a fresh start is a special thing. Like, that's a really good thing. And we'll see him again. It's good for him, and it's really good for us. Schedule-wise, when are you going to announce who you're opening with? You We're close? not. We're actually not just announcing the schedule you just show until up. right before the game. <laughs> you just show up. It's going to be like, hey, be come to the gym tonight. 
and find out who we're playing. That, we saw, uh, that's we, terrible for promotion on yeah, TV. That, that, that's good. We're going to have to get with your guys on that. Uh, we saw Utah's on the 17th of December. That came from up yeah. there. And, and there are a couple of dates that have been kicked around. San Diego State, that yeah. series. Great reportedly in Vegas. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, tease us on some of the home games you got coming. Um, no, I won't. <laughs> I refuse. If you want to know no. the home games, hit me on at CoachMartPope.com. Is that my Twitter handle? That's I don't not, know what that is. You can't add dot com. You sound super old when you <laughs> add dot com. Give me a cell phone number. Come on, on the man. World Wide Web. Just yeah. hit me on the World the, Wide Web. Do not web. say World Wide Web. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you're putting a schedule together like this, and you know you're going to have at least two, maybe three shots against the number one team in America yep. again with Gonzaga. Yeah. Uh, you, you, well, and, I mean, you think about Atlantis. I mean, we might have shots against the number one team in the country. We in would Atlantis like to be there too. with you as well. Yeah. And and, um, and then you know this Creighton team now is uh, they they've you know they're bringing everybody back and they've recruited well. They're going to be a top five team by the time we get to them also. Um, and so the schedule is not for the faint of heart. No, obviously, no. you get to go to San Diego to State. It's yep. always tough. That's what yep. we do. Like we love it. I mean, that's our deal. It's like let's go bring it on, take on all comers, and see if we can survive it. And I love it in hoops. You're rewarded for a tough schedule. Yes, in football, you are. there's not really a reward. We that's can't right. quantify. It's fun to have at least the net and the quads yep. and so on. Tell us about the return missionaries. So we know that. Richie Saunders is home. Dallin Hall got yep. home last week. Yep. What's uh, Tanner Toulson's timeline? So Richie uh, has been home for about a month, and he's actually um, he's actually dribbling without looking at the ball, which is super exciting. <laughs> I'm kidding. You know this rehab. You're totally ready you know, for the this, Big Twelve. Uh, th- these guys would be really special, man. Yeah. They're 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 super talented players uh, um, uh, that are incredibly hungry. That uh, uh, that. Um, were recruited at a really, really high level and chose to turn down their whole life for the last two years and go serve people. And um, so uh, they're rolling. And we got two of them on campus. We're still waiting for a couple to get back on campus. And and uh, and then we'll you know have a fuller roster. Are these guys guys you'll count on right away, or are they a year away? We're counting on everybody. Now, the the, the one thing for us is we are probably, uh, I think it's hard to argue against it, that we're the world's experts on rehabbing missionaries, and we are a slow on-ramp <laughs> program. We are, because um, the, 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 the biggest worry is not going slow. The biggest worry is having setbacks, and so yes. we go really slow. Uh, when I showed Richie his schedule for the first three months once he got back, he was just like, no, that is not enough. That's not going to work. But it's just as if, if we on-ramp these guys the right way, they'll be really successful. We, we just have gone through those conversations with Dallin, and, and, uh, and Tanner will be back soon. We'll have the same, same work with him. Kalani uh, has gone through it as well yep. to where they're like going, hey, we've got to come up with a plan. They yep. would prefer to gray shirt guys, honestly, yeah. where yep. they just get yep. in the weight room. Yep. And football's a little different, right? Well, and interesting, if you talk to Trey Stewart, you know, Trey Stewart is um, – he, he would tell you that he's finally back to himself. Like he's finally After back to year, moving. Right? Yeah, and yeah. so and so that, that's that's actually a real thing. I mean, you know, I don't. You show me another example in any sport anywhere where you just you know where you just vacate the sport for two years. I mean, well, may, plus maybe, one in this maybe, case. Maybe, maybe Mike. Maybe MJ was the one guy, and he was at least playing baseball and golf. <laughs> and, and, and golf. A lot of yeah, golf. Playing golf. Watch the last dance. See Danny uh, betting with him during the finals, <laughs> right? Which is super fun. Okay, let's talk about Elijah Bryant. He's in the Turkish League Finals with uh, Anadolu Efes. Uh, you played for this team in yeah. Turkey. Yes. That's awesome. Can we talk about Elijah Bryant? Let's yeah. do it. So, first of all, 
uh, my social media acumen was quite challenged when on the I, World Wide Web, I, on the World Wide Web, <laughs> on Instagram or Twitter, I'm not sure where it was, but I put out something about him being the first player ever in the history of basketball to go back to back NBA champion, Euro League champion, and I, I don't actually know if that's true. Somebody corrected me and said there was one other person in, in 1977. But like, think about what he just did. Incredible. It, it is incredible. You know, I mean, I just there's no words for it, and 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 teams matter. And um, when you get that reputation of, of, hey, if you want to win a championship, go get Elijah Bryant at whatever level, it's yep. pretty special. And not only that, he's an unbelievable human being. He's such a great representative of this university. He loves God. He just is a, he's a spectacular human being. I'm super happy for him. Well, best of luck with the return missionaries coming in, filling out the roster, the schedule that you won't tell us about. Yep. Uh, we appreciate the time, man. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Coach. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. So earlier this week, a person uh, named at Kyle Umlang on Twitter, not a BYU homie, Posted a graphic about the new Big 12, listing top 25 finishes, national championships, percentage of teams ranked, etc. Bureau showed well in it, basically placing third in a myriad of categories behind Texas and Oklahoma. Which brings us to this question, Dave. Which teams are ready to compete for a title in the Big 12 right away? And which teams have some work to do? Here's that chart you're referring to. Good luck uh, breaking that down. (laughs) It's very (laughs) colorful. You see, the early part's the hottest time of the year, and then things cool <laughs> off, and then we get more moisture. Weatherman Dave would have been good, dude. Weatherman Dave would have been <laughs> so awesome. So that breaks down how the Cougars did this last season and how they would compare against the Big 12. So I, I think, well, obviously cross-country, men's and women's cross-country, they're going to run into the Big 12 as contenders. Pun intended? Pun intended. Yeah, it's Thursday. Pun yeah, intended. Yeah, okay. okay. I, think they, I think they got a shot uh, to get in there and, and, uh, and get after it because they're doing it right now on the national scene. Mm-hmm. Who else? I th- yeah, I think uh, in lo- walking through all the sports, which, by the way, people have asked this question. There are three sports BYU doesn't have that compete in the Big 12. Equestrian, rowing, and wrestling. Wrestling! I'm just waiting for that, right? Okay, um, gymnastics. Oklahoma won the national championship. BYU would have been the second-best team. In the Big 12 this year. Really? So right away. Yeah, they compete right away. Women's volleyball. Texas is a juggernaut, but Kansas and Baylor also went to the Sweet 16 this last year. I think BYU competes right away for a championship there. I'm not sure they beat Texas initially. Maybe they do. But once Texas leaves, BYU's right there. Um, You mentioned both cross countries. Awesome. Iowa State's pretty good. They were the runner-up to BYU, by the way, uh, in in the men's. Uh, Wesley Kipt, who was the guy that was on Connor Mance's heels. Yeah. Um, they are pretty good there in men and women. And women's soccer. Women's soccer, um, only two bids from the Big 12 last year. The WCC, I believe, had three or four. So, uh, including Santa Clara, who also right. made the national championship, yeah. of course, the Final Four there, hosting. So, yeah, so, like there are several sports where Bureau jumps in right away. We think football will be competitive. It might take uh, once, once uh, tw- if 22 goes like we think, there's going to be a dearth of big names that leave. Um, or, or uh, there will be a dearth because big names leave. So maybe in 24, 25, BYU starts to be in the top kind of three or four, and, and we'll see what happens. Now, um, softball, I think, jumps in too. Yeah. Now, if you watched the uh, College World Series last night, right. you saw Oklahoma beat Texas 16-1. to 1. 
Once they leave. Once they leave. I think softball's uh, right there in the mix, which is exciting. They will not have the problem they had a couple weeks ago, and uh, strength schedule won't be there. Right, and Iowa State came in uh, for a friendly uh, during the season, and mm-hmm. BYU beat them three straight. Baylor the previous year, yeah. BYU won, which is awesome. So I think softball goes in yeah. with a chance to go right to the top. Texas and, and mostly Oklahoma. Texas isn't even seated, and they got their way into this Yes, incredible run. But, uh, but Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, who I think was the defending champ, those guys, the Cowboys will be tough. But get Texas and Oklahoma out of there, in, and, uh, and BYU in the Olympic sports comes charging in. Yes. You take Texas and Oklahoma out for football, and the Cougars come charging in. Mainly just Oklahoma. Texas has an unjack squad. Right. Let's be honest. They haven't. Okay, men and women's golf, I think BYU will compete as well. Uh, Oklahoma State's tremendous. Texas won the natty on the men's side. Um, but they've been dealing with Pepperdine, who won the national championship two years ago. Yeah, they got so it's not like, not like the WCC has been a bunch of chumps. They've, it's been really good for BYU, especially in soccer and golf and whatnot. Okay, work to do. Let's just address the elephant in the room. Men's hoops. Men's hoops competing for a championship in the Big 12 might be something that will be a tough ask, given Baylor, Kansas, Texas Tech, right? Maybe at some point BYU gets to that level, but you're asking, like, Jimmer to show up again type of deal. The hope is that BYU goes at least 500 and is an 11 seed, and they can do what Iowa State did this year, right. go to the Sweet 16. I don't necessarily care, Dave, about winning conference championships in basketball, maybe that in men's hoops. Maybe that's we're conditioned to not expect that because BYU hasn't won one since 01. I'm more concerned about do you make the NCAA tournament and can you win a game or two? Yeah, and I think it's about building, and we're going to talk to Mark Pope here in a few minutes about how he's building uh, with another season before uh, they join the toughest league in, in America, and it appears to be trending like it's not going to get, you know, they're not going to get weaker for a long time. They're getting uh, better with Houston. And then Houston and Cincinnati yeah. and, and uh, I don't Houston. know about Central Florida, but, but BYU They had a good in. year two years ago. Two years yeah. ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think you're right. I think uh, this year's team, if you plopped them into the Big 12, it wouldn't be where BYU fans are used to being. And that might be the case for a little while. Yeah, um, and that's all right. And that's okay. That's okay because uh, it is not Santa Clara that you're getting beat by. We can accept a big t- – yes, we can accept these because we have, we have an ego, right, uh, here. We expect BYU to be a certain level. And but when we, you- just said we won the, the Commissioner's Cup for the ninth year out of ten that we've even been in the league. We've dominated the – Overall sport. Yes. And then we just expect that in, in basketball and football as well. Yes. A couple other teams have some work to do. Baseball certainly got to up yeah. its game. Trent Pratt is out recruiting actively right now in Houston to do that. Five of the ten teams went to the NCAA tournament this, just weeks ago. That's, good. That's a tough baseball league. It's and, really good. And, and BYU, it was all they could do to take fourth in the WCC, which is a decent baseball league. But – Day in and day out, and they got to get better. And they, they yep. saw Oklahoma State for a, a series down yep. in Texas. Took a game. Got a good taste of that, and they yep. could have taken the series, yep. but they fumbled it away. Um, that's a good baseball league. Women's basketball. Uh, well, I think women's basketball will be good. I'm not sure they compete for a title uh, quickly, but six of the ten went to the NCAA tournament, and they're really good. The BYU the women's, women's team this last year, which is pretty good. Until they could have hung. They flatlined in the tournament. Yep. Where would they have been in the Big 12 this year? I'm, I'm imagining they would have been third or fourth. Third or fourth? It's pretty good. Maybe maybe second. Tennis, swim, and dive certainly have some work to do as well. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's exciting because what we hope is BYU will continue to get the kids that they've been getting who want to be at BYU. Parents probably went to BYU, grew up fans of the Cougs. The hope is that you're getting some of the fringe um, – players who are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who now consider BYU differently because they're in a Big 12. And then what you hope is what Utah has been getting, Dave. 
kids who want to play in that league against the teams they wanted to go to, either out of being petty and vindictive or just they love that league. And the hope is that uh, in the next five to ten years, BYU continues to get guys who are are like-minded individuals who want to come here for a great education, play on a really good team, and then compete. And we think that in most of the sports, BYU is going to be very competitive in a Power 5 league, that it won't be this – just huge hill that BYU has to climb. And football, by the way, I want to point out, is very unique in that they have been preparing for a league like this for a long time. Right. Since the day they went independent. Right? They were waiting for this moment. The other – like, women's soccer doesn't doesn't need the Big 12 to get better. They're just awesome. Women's volleyball is just awesome. Cross-country is just awesome. So I'm I'm excited to see what they can do. And by the way, we're coming off – what Spencer and I argued, this has been the greatest overall athletic year in the history of BYU. You could argue 81 because you have the Elite Eight with Danny Ainge. You have Jim McMahon Sr. You have men's golf winning the national championship. Baseball team was really good. Ba- Baseball is about to, two years from then, uh, be number one in the country yeah. with Wally joining and Corey Snyder and those guys. So there have been some great years. I, I hope that th- this is, uh, and this, is, this has been the argument with football, is it the new norm or was it an outlier? The hope is that it's the new norm. I think it's the new norm if you stay in the WCC, but you're going to head into a whole new challenge now, and then it'll take some buildup. But, uh, but th- th- there's no reason they can't continue. They're just going to have to do it at a, at a higher level. And th- the good news for the Big 12 is they're not just getting a one-trick pony. Uh, hey, we got a football program that fits a football need, which is really why all this happened. Um, and then you just got to beat all the other, you know, we're bringing all the scrubs with us because they're attached to the football program. This is not that case, and that's great for the Big 12 because they get a football program to fit that need, and they get contenders in just about every sport, and those that aren't contenders have the ability to get that way with the national recruiting base that BYU has and the success and all the hype of joining a P5. Oh, and they also have the largest football stadium once Oklahoma and Texas leave. They've got the largest basketball arena, and, um, and they have their own TV network. It's, this is a good time to have BYU come join your league. It's a great time. No question. Uh, we're ready to go. And I'm reminded of those facts as we walk around campus, and I'm taking my cousin every day who's in town from Arizona staying with us to a basketball camp. And I think uh, as I walk around, there are thousands of kids on campus right now in a variety of sports from all over the country. How many schools pull this off? It's rare, right? People are coming in here. Um, to, to hopefully get a scholarship, uh, you know, offer. If, like, there are football scholarships being offered this week to kids in high school where BYU's been connecting with them, and now they're here, you know. And, and this is a unique situation. And, uh, you know, I wish my cousin was getting one. He's probably not. But uh, he's working hard. <laughs> Listen, there's two kinds of camps. <laughs> there's the camps that, that kids go to to do just that. Yep. And then there's the same camp that kids go to that their parents are saying, you're getting out of this house for a week. I'm <laughs> Get, sending you to that I'll camp. I'll pick you up at five. I'm sending yeah. you to soccer camp or whatever. And, <laughs> uh, and so they, they, they come together as one. And then years down the road when somebody signs and they go, well, my first taste of BYU was when I was 14. Yeah. And I came to the I Might have been the when camp. they were five or six. Or you know, five or six. It just depends uh, you know, what you're doing there. By the way, BYU sports camps like eight years ago had this commercial um, that that featured random clips of people and young Jimmer Fredette oh, yeah? was in one of these clips nice. and I was like, did we did we notice that little chubby Jimmer there? It's pretty awesome. He dropped some pounds. He's got better. Dropped some buckets and pounds. <laughs> Join the conversation 24/7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag #BYUSN. 
The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. She's been repping the Y for a long time and at a high level. Heather Knighting of BYU Women's Volleyball right. joins us in Studio B. Heather, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's I'm been good. a minute. During yeah, the season? It's been a while. Yeah. Which season last year, right? <laughs> it felt like there were, there were two, right? In there were, the, there were two. Year. Okay, first things first. We'll get to the Team USA stuff in just a moment, but the women's volleyball schedule was recently released. Mm-hmm. It yeah. feels loaded yeah. with big-name opponents. What do you think of the overall schedule with the likes of Pitt at home, at Georgia Tech on the schedule, among others? Yeah, yeah. we are super excited just to play these really good teams that did super well last season and – Going into this season, we'll just get some more competition and playing Pitt at home. We played them last year preseason, and we get to play them here too. And they're a super good team. And also some others we haven't seen before, at least I haven't seen while being here at BYU. And I think it'll get us really ready for the the conference season. It's going to be awesome. Like, uh, you know, huge, huge names on this schedule. Uh, You know, Ohio State and Utah and Georgia Tech and Duke. Okay, let's talk about Pitt. This was the only regular season loss. This was where the season ended. You would have met them in the Elite Eight, right? That's a, bi- that's a big game. To have them at home, it's going to be pretty cool. It almost reminds me of 2018 Stanford, where it's like you're bringing in this super legit team. The Smithfield house is going to be rocking. Yeah. That's going to be a fun one. Yeah. I'm super excited to play them. It was so fun at their house, and I think them coming here will show them some more competition and see what they're made of, see what we're made of, and yeah. How will this team? Oh, sorry, go ahead, Jim. Heather's hanging out with the uh, Pitt head coach right now. By the way, they're yeah, coaching is. together on oh, that same she's team. She's getting the inside track. Okay, <laughs> how will this team be different than the BYU team last year? Different and perhaps better. Yeah, so we had a lot of different seniors leave us last year, and this spring we had to work through a lot, see what our roles were, and see who was going to play, who was going to work hard. And I think we had a really good off season starting January and we're all in and we're all working hard and I'm super excited just to see what we're made of and see um, who's going to stand out this year. Where do you feel like you improve the most? Yeah I think we are just more united we're super positive and I think just our mental strength has grown a lot and just we have a growth mindset that's wanting to win and wanting to work hard together. Anything is possible with you and Whitney Bauer and <laughs> I like it's exciting to see as we just saw Whitney go on two and just crush it, right? Yeah. Um, it, what what's it like in this situation? Knowing okay, last year was a really special group, mm-hmm. and okay, you got to move on. And yeah. You got emotionally. It sounds like you already have where it's like, all right, this is our new group. We got to figure it out. Kenzie yeah. Kerber was incredible. Mm-hmm. Kennedy Eschenberg's an all timer, right? How do you, how do you move on from that and figure out? Okay, okay, you're you're the person in this space, but you don't have to be that person. You be you. Right. Yeah, and I think that's what we kind of had to figure out, that we don't have to fill what their roles were, but we were recruited, we were brought here for our specific strengths and what we have, and so letting that come out and seeing how it works together um, is really cool and really special, and I think we'll really find that out in our preseason and into conference. And do you take confidence from the fact that, I mean, you look at the last decade of BYU women's volleyball, it's like, you guys go to the Sweet 16, yeah. Nine out of eight out of the last nine years. Like, kind of the status You quote. guys reload. Like, you right. figure it out, right? Yeah. I think, yeah, our coaches do a really good job of that, of setting the standard, and we have our values and our culture of what we want, and I think we're, we all buy into it, which is pretty special. 
You are now essentially two years off of your mission. How long did it take you to get back in the full swing of things, no pun intended, full health and, and where you were feeling like, okay, I'm, I'm back to where I was with volleyball? Yeah, so I came back and I kind of just started right back into volleyball and it was definitely weird, but being here before and coming back, it felt really familiar. I had the same coaches, same setter, and um, most of my same teammates. And I think they just put a lot of trust and faith in me that I could fulfill my role and just do my best. And I think that brought me confidence to do my best. I hear some players talk about you know, the mission, like making me too nice. Almost so like like you're, you're almost, a really nice like, person. Like yeah. lose the like, edge. Like is the edge back now, Heather? Yes, it took it took a little <laughs> bit, but I think once we started playing games, uh, the, that competitiveness came back, and I thought it wouldn't, but it did. I just have it in me. So, did I you compete happy. on your mission in a certain way? Like like could you satisfy <laughs> that sort of itch in a different way, or was it like? Uh, quelled for like the 18 months? I don't know. Maybe there were some like P-Day activities. We'd play sports, but that's about it. Me and my companion just would have fun. And You're like me versus scripture stuff. <laughs> I'm going to dominate this. It's going to be a... Okay, so remind us. Did you come back? You came back the summer uh, before the season last year, right? Yes. Is that right? And, and you didn't have a ton of time to get back into it. And in fact, at times, Heather was not letting you go to serve receive right where it was right. like physically you need to to take it easy to get back but you were like i want to go i want to go yeah that what was that process like of you're still playing in the matches you guys have this unbelievable year where you win like a million 30 games or whatever you only lose one in the regular season but you're like itching to to play but your butt heather's trying to hold you back so you don't get hurt right right yeah so i would we had double days but i'd probably just do one of the practices every day and the first few games i'd only play a few sets and then she'd pull me out but um i was grateful for it at the same time just to kind of get back into it and um just take it one step at a time and she helped me with that and it was weird too because the team had played in the spring due to COVID, right and so yeah. she's managing it was just a weird deal but Hey, Taylor's back and Kennedy's back, which you would not have been able to play with them right. without uh, the COVID extra year. So it was yeah. really, it was a special year in that regard too. Yeah. Have you ever been angry in your life? <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably on the court a few times, <laughs> but yes, yeah, it happens. Playing sure. Utah, San Diego. Yes, definitely yeah. those teams. Yes, yes. Um, okay, t <laughs> tell us about uh, playing with the United States yeah. uh, Women's Collegiate National Team. With Aaron Livingston. This will be fun training uh, coming up here in a couple weeks. Yeah, me and Aaron are going on the 19th to go train in Anaheim with USA and different girls in college. And it'll be just a super cool experience. I'm glad she's coming with me. And just to learn from um, the best of the best and other good, good college girls out there yeah. and um, just gain those relationships too, I think will be really cool. Yeah, you're, you're not new to this. So, I mean... <laughs> you played uh, on this team before, Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. yeah you, you've In, done this before. You went to, was it Japan? Japan. Yeah. Yeah. There's mm -hmm. one Kenzie Kerber on that trip as yeah. well. Which well, is, listen, yeah. show Aaron the ropes, okay? <laughs> like, Aaron, this is where oh, we Aaron's take got care it. of her. Aaron's yeah, got it. Exactly. Congratulations on everything. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, what a run. We're, uh, to say the least, we're very excited about what's going to happen with BYU Women's Volleyball. Two, yeah, two months in a week or two, and then we're going. Let's yeah, go. we're super excited. Okay. Yeah. Okay, thanks, Heather. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Let's whip it. 
Good Whip Round is presented by Maris, your integrated container logistics company enabling global trade for a growing world. I'm still uh, I'm still buzzing about that animal sacrifice story. That was quite the uh, quite the story Pope. we just had here. All right, foxbet.com has BYU's over-under season win number at seven and a half. Are you all over the over? Yes. There's. I don't. I don't think there's uh, much of a way it could go under that. I think, uh, especially if Jaron Hall's healthy, there's no way. Yeah, we're going ten. We're going ten. Are you calling your shot again like last year? Yeah. Yeah, because show me, show me three teams that they can't beat. Right. You oh. know, and then we get in the argument Looking of the good. two teams that are going to beat them, and some of those are 50-50 games. Yep. Yeah. A Jets fan site posts some footage of Zach Wilson during OTAs with a nice sidearm throw. How much stock do you put into clips of OTA practice throws? I don't put stock in them, but I watch them. 100%. Like everyone else. 100%. It's like, hey, here's something from practice. What happened to practice? Look at this screen pass. This, he is really coming along. He's added weight. He's stronger. This, that. Here's the screen pass, and you're like, Okay, I'm watching. I love it. And listen, when Athletics puts out highlights from fall camp, they're extremely judicious on the stories they are telling and the perception of who is being featured and why. Because they don't want, it's all Jaron Hall. It's like, well, does Conover not play? Or it's all Gunnar Romney. Where's Puka? You know, and if a guy's hurt, obviously they're not going to show him or whatever. There's a lot of thought that goes into that. Listen, if Messi's bouncing a ball on his head, everyone who's into soccer is watching him. For as long as he's going to do it. Yep. We gravitate toward what we love, and Americans love football. Ryan Rico comes in seventh on the big game boomers, top hunters in the country. Mm-hmm. Now, we know you uh, deeply appreciate yes. Ryan's skill set. Uh, will he win a BYU game this season? I don't believe punters can win a game unless it's fake punters. They can lose they them. Score. They can, they lose, can them. lose them by a shank punt or something. But, um, no, he... I, he is so awesome. He didn't have enough punts to really qualify nationally, but his 48.6 would have been fourth in the country. He only punts 3.1 times a game. Aaron Roderick is to thank for this. If I'm a great punter, by the way, I'm not saying Ryan should do this, but don't I go to, go to the crappiest team in the country just so I can show my leg off somewhere? Because if you're on a great team, you're winning, but you never punt. That's true, but what we've, th- <laughs> we, what we've learned from the NFL is if you're good, they find you. They will find you. And, and they're going to find Ryan Rico. He is He's super an good. NFL punter, dude. Absolutely. Okay, during warm-ups for the NBA Finals Game 3 last night, the Warriors complained the rims were too high in the pregame. In fact, they were two inches too high. Should BYU look into this type of tactic against Gonzaga next year? Look, if you if you can get away with it, and the, Celt- <laughs> and the Celtics almost did... Uh, Belichick, is that you working on the Rams? Whatever helps. I was watching that game last night, and when Curry and um, uh, Thompson Thompson were just lights out. They're just lights. It doesn't matter where they are on the floor. It's like, I guess if you can't guard them out there, then you just change the rims in here. But uh, And then the Celtics beat them. Celtics Celtics play defense. Well, when you get 77 points from the big three, that'll do. First time since 86 or 7, they said, in the final game. So you know coming out tomorrow night uh, for game four, the Warriors are going to be going, is that rim the same height? Yeah. You know, now, now they're are they in their heads? Paranoid. Are they in their heads? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the LA Angels played Nickelback songs for every player's walk-up music last night in hopes of ending their 13-game losing streak. Nope, keep it going. It didn't work. Keep it going. What band would be your choice to for streak-busting tunes? Uh, maybe U2. I like U2 a lot. 21 Pilots, maybe. If Here's the thing. If I want to re- my guys to relax if I'm the manager, Maybe I might do. We might be giants or Weird Al, <laughs> just to be mix it up. 
and chi- you know, or maybe some Jack Johnson, just be chill about it. My son's got a softball team. They play up there at Utah State, around there in their community league, and they were talking about walk-up songs. Yeah. He asked me what my opinion was for him. He gave me some suggestions, and I go, you know what? I'd go with uh, Dancing Queen or Sweet Caroline. It's yep. like, what? That's the worst. I go, put the picture in a good mood. Yep. You know, if you come up with some Too monster chill. song that's like, Metallica. I think he's taking me deep. Yeah, exactly. You come up there with something fun, now he's singing in his head. <laughs> he's going to lob that thing in there. Uh, he didn't. He went with his stuff, and it didn't work out for him. So then I suggested maybe maybe you change your walk-up song. Put the Carpenters in there. They're, hey, Do nice. Something. Put the Osmonds. Go you know, local change here. the mood of the ball coming in. The Angels lost one nothing last night. Shout out to my brother-in-law, Dan Barnes, who loves the Angels. I am very happy as a Mariners fan. This is, now the Mariners are back in contention in the AOL. Congratulations. So let's, let's go. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.